Welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I'm excited to discuss this Denver Nuggets win. Oh, it's good to say that. It's been a little bit here as the Nuggets defeat the Golden State Warriors last night. Final score, 112 to 110. Uh, a fun, fun game without Nikola Jokic involved. Denver, obviously, I think they needed this. There was a lot that kind of went into this one. There was a lot between all of the Nuggets role players and then Jamal Murray said some interesting things after the game, I thought. Uh, You get the Peyton Watson game. Holy cow. I mean, there's just a lot to be excited about for this one. Denver cuts their magic number for the top seed in the West uh, down to one, down to just one. And that's a really, really exciting prospect, I think. So, should be very interesting. We're going to go over all of it for now. Uh, but let's first get into Jamal Murray, who this is one where he's got to step up. This is a game, I think, where he knew and I think the coaching staff knows and the players know and the fan base knows that the only way for the Nuggets to be the championship team that they want to do or that they want to be is for Jamal Murray to be a special, special player. And I'm excited for this because I, I'm obviously partial to this, but Jamal had a really good game. There, there were some aspects of it where he maybe didn't handle the pressure as well. In, in certain moments, he got pick, he got his pocket picked towards the end of the game on one play. But overall in this game, I think you could absolutely say that he and Michael Porter Jr. just carried the offense in different ways where some other guys struggled, some other guys couldn't really get involved, and then you had a lot of other role players involved, and it was either going to be Jamal or MPJ on most of these nights. And while I do think that Mike was probably the bigger story in the way that uh, in the way that he stepped up in various moments, it was still super cool to see Jamal carry the day. Uh, I was listening to the Bill Simmons and Ryan Rosilla podcast, and they talked about how this this was a, a really nice Murray moment. And how when he steps up in that fourth quarter, hits a couple threes, gets a nice deflection, uh, he forces a jump ball on Draymond Green right at the rim in that fourth quarter. And then he has that game-saving block against Klay Thompson at the buzzer. Like Those are really cool plays. Those are really fun plays to be able to make in that situation. And and Jamal's a gamer. He's always going to get up for those moments. And it's really about the times in between where can he continue to raise his game? Can he continue to put the team on his back in various ways? And I thought he was pretty good. 26 points, uh, 10 of 21 from the field. Not the most efficient night, but obviously not the worst night ever. Uh, three of eight from three. And I think all three of those threes came in the second half, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, eight assists, two steals, two blocks, three turnovers was a plus eight. And he played 41 minutes. I, I was a little bit concerned about that in the first half. And then he played he played even uh, even more minutes in the second half. Uh, the dude is extremely important for Denver, especially in these non-Jokic minutes. I have maintained all season that Denver's best lineups, when Jokic is not out there, are going to involve Jamal Murray. They're going to involve him creating making sure that the offense is going in the right direction. And sometimes he struggles with that. There's no doubt about it. But it was super cool to see 
Uh, Jamal be able to step up in this moment, and then you kind of talk some talk some mess after the game. And I asked him, well, it was probably a bad question in general about how the team can kind of struggle and go maybe go into a little bit of hero ball into some of these moments. And he gave me a really interesting quote. It's, uh, it was basically about the Stan Van Gundy quote that came through on the broadcast uh, when they were playing the New Orleans New Orleans Pelicans, and I think it was kind of warranted in, in that moment by Stan. But Jamal said post game that he didn't like uh, the team being referred to as the worst team in the league when Jokic isn't out there, and he's a competitor. I understand that for sure. I absolutely understand that he is going to get into that mode where it's kind of offensive for for a lot of these guys to be just discussed as fodder for the Nikola Jokic experience. And it kind of comes with the territory because of how valuable Jokic is. I, I don't want to I don't want to dispel that at all. But all of these guys are going to be so valuable for the team when it comes to winning a ch- if it ever comes to winning a title, it's going to be because of the other guys. It's not just going to be because of Jokic. You know that Jokic is going to be there, but the variance comes from whether the other guys step up and Jamal steps up and plays like an all-star caliber player. Michael Porter Jr. has a series or a couple games or whatever. There's going to be a really, really interesting dynamic for this team in those non-Jokic minutes. And I do think that Murray's going to be one of those guys that can carry the load in that time. But it's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a very uh, concerted effort for Denver to get through those minutes. And Murray can do that. I, I, I feel very confident based off of this game, based off of some previous moments that he's had. Sometimes it isn't great in-game when you go from Jokic to non-Jokic minutes, but I do think it's it's not really a surprise that uh, Murray feels this way because, look, the last time he was in a playoff series, he was pretty good. He was, he was a pretty, pretty good player. And I, I do think that Nuggets fans in particular kind of forget that sometimes. So hopefully things kind of... Figure figure out over the course of these next uh, couple games, right before the end of the regular season, and then Denver can really lock in in those non-Jokic minutes during the playoffs. Uh, but great Murray game in general, also a great Michael Porter Jr. game. The dude absolutely deserves all of the credit that he gets. Um, Twenty nine points, ten of seventeen from the field, four of eight from three, eleven rebounds is a big deal. Only one turnover against a hounding Golden State Warriors defense that is trying to force turnovers against him specifically. And I thought he did a great job. There were several moments throughout this one where Denver needed a little bit of an extra kick. Where Murray was handling the ball, would pass it off to somebody else, whether it was Aaron Gordon or KCP or MPJ. And Porter needed to be the guy in some of those moments. And thought there were plenty of opportunities for him to be that guy. And especially in that second and third quarter, there were several moments where Denver needed him desperately, and he delivered every single time. There was a play, I'm pretty sure it was in the second quarter, where he grabbed a very physical rebound and then went down the court in a fast break situation, caught the ball, and I I, I describe this as aggressive or physical in the way that he got into his shooting motion. The dude was so confident and so ready to make a play in that moment that it almost felt physical. Like, wow, I've never seen him be so forceful with the way that he got up into his motion. And it was really cool because you knew it was dropping as soon as he did it. 
And you knew how locked in he was as soon as he got into that place. And so I love it when Porter takes over. I think it's really cool. There was also a play, I'm pretty sure, in the third quarter, if I'm not mistaken, where he stole the inbound from somebody, dribbled it down the length of the floor, crossed over Steph Curry, pulled up in his grill and hit the shot. Like He is finding a rhythm right now that is really, really fun. It's it's a really, really fun place for him to be and to, to be able to kind of take advantage of all of the of all the time that he has spent being a role player and fitting in and doing everything that he needs to do to uh, excel as part of the system rather than become the system. There were several possessions in the second and third quarter where he was the system, where they got him the ball in a spot that he liked, and he made a play. And he's capable of doing that as a scorer when he gets into that rhythm. Now, it's too often, especially without Jokic on the floor, where he gets the ball in those situations and makes a bad decision or or takes a bad shot, and then it doesn't go in. And if you do that on three or four possessions in a row, then that's how you get those negative runs. And that's why the team often doesn't go to it that often. But for him to be maturing, for him to be getting into this place where maybe you could do that a little bit more frequently, maybe you could try that a little bit more in these playoffs where he's got a good matchup, he gets a switch, he can take advantage of the size disparity. Like There is absolutely a way for Denver to get him those touches, for him to be a little bit more consistent. And it's really, really cool to see him take advantage of it. So the hope, I think, is for Denver to have three different guys, Jokic, Murray, and Porter, who you can go to at any particular moment. And if it's just Porter on the court without Murray and Jokic, maybe you get him some extra touches and he can deliver. If it's just Murray, then maybe he could set the table for both himself and for others. And obviously, nobody needs that with Jokic. Like, everybody understands how that continues to go. Uh, But still really good stuff. And uh, like Danny says here, uh, his defense, rebounding on the offensive glass, etc. is all coming back. Length and new athleticism helps him recover a lot. There were some absolutely monstrous rebounds. <laughs> it was really cool. I see Zamora in the chat as well talking about the rebounding. It, it is amazing to be able to see him uh, play physical. And I was just very, very excited for him specifically. So good stuff from Michael Porter. KCP, on the other hand, horrible game. He actually, not not, not necessarily horrible. Like, uh, let me let me rephrase that. He had some really good moments defensively where he got into passing lanes where he could understand where the ball was going to go within the Golden State scheme and I think made some, made some great defensive plays to, to get the ball into Murray's hands and Porter's hands and, and other guys. Uh, his offense has completely disappeared, though. One of six from the field, 0 of three from three, just scored three points last night and uh, didn't have any assists, which is why I said it. He is. I think slowing down and did have a couple of moments last night where he definitely struggled, where he definitely uh, needed to be a, a better shot maker, shot taker or creator as a secondary guy and just couldn't really do it. And it's one of the reasons why Porter kind of got into the, the place that he was, because usually that's actually KCP who steps up as the secondary creator where he'll get four or five, maybe even six assists at a time. Uh, I think that KCP couple times that he got hit, that he went down, it was one of those things where is he going to continue to, like, is, is this kind of a changing of the guard? Is this kind of a, hey, falling back to earth a little bit 
from a role player standpoint. The threes haven't been going down as much for KCP, not necessarily as as great of breaks uh, as as he's as he's been getting lately. So I think that the Nuggets did the right thing, and they only played KCP twenty one minutes. And this could be something that happens in the playoffs, where Bruce Brown plays thirty two off the bench, and the other four starters make a lot of sense. And and if it's Jokic, if it's Murray, MPJ, AG. If those guys are each playing at like 35 minutes and then you want Bruce Brown out there, Bruce Brown had a great game. We'll talk about him in the second segment. Um, if you want those guys out there, then maybe KCP's the guy that that doesn't play as much and it's not MPJ. Because a lot of the times it's been KCP at the two and then Bruce Brown at the three. But maybe Denver can take advantage of the size disparity that they have and and try to play Bruce Brown at the two and Michael Porter at the three. There's There's something to that. So... I think it's it's something to watch for the rest of the regular season and into the playoffs, but I do think that KCP's been slowing down, and that's not an encouraging thing. But the, here's the most important thing for Denver. If KCP's playing great defense, then they'll be okay. And KCP played mostly great defense, although they were minus eight in his minutes uh, last night, and that is something to at least be monitoring. Uh, if he stops having that plus minus impact, then maybe Denver kind of needs to find other other things to do. Let's go to Aaron Gordon. Six of 18 from the field. And I thought that the story of the game really started off with the Draymond and Aaron Gordon matchup, where Aaron Gordon tried to take it at Draymond several times. And then I feel like Draymond hit him with some psychological warfare, whether he's talking to him the entire game, because he was. Uh, or if it was him allowing Aaron Gordon to take wide open threes, giving him the Russell Westbrook treatment, uh, whether it was him really rotating over and making it difficult for Aaron Gordon from a a physical standpoint when he's trying to get all the way to the rim and he just couldn't because Draymond was always there. Uh, there's a lot to think about with, with Aaron right now. He is not in a great place in general. Uh, missed another free throw. He's one of two from the line, although only took two free throws. And that to me is kind of psychological where there were a lot of plays where Aaron Gordon wasn't going strong to the rim or he was fading away. And 10 rebounds, seven assists, two steals. There were some great other impact from Aaron, but this was a game where you go six of 18 against the Warriors and it was really tough to win. Uh, I'm glad that he was able to find other ways to impact the game. And there were some good moments where Murray zips a pass underneath for for a uh, for a dunk over Draymond after he over-rotated. Uh, Aaron, when he has the short roll, basically, he lobbed it over or he, he dumped it off to Peyton Watson a couple times for a, a nice finish. There were some good moments, but I do think that this particular matchup between Aaron Gordon and Draymond Green, there is potential for it to go pretty badly for Denver. But I did like the possessions where Aaron Gordon was at the five, where he was doing a lot of great things as a small ball five, kind of a Draymond type player, where you see the points, you see the rebounds, you see the assists. If he cuts down on some of the bad shooting attempts and just plays the full kind of fulcrum Jokic style player where he only takes the high value shots as opposed to fading away for twos and things like that. There's a way for, for Aaron Gordon to really step up in that backup five role. And it's exciting to see because Denver needs that so desperately in the playoffs. Um, 
But I do think, honestly, that Jeff Green did some good things with that, too. He was a plus one in this game in 26 minutes as the starting five. And did he miss four threes? Yes. Did he make all of his twos and and was a good cutter and actually did a pretty good job rebounding when he was out there, uh, at least from the possessions that I saw? Yes, Denver was allowing a million other offensive rebounds. I honestly think that that wasn't really a Jeff Green problem. I think that that was more of a, you're switching everything, you're getting cross-matched, and suddenly Jamal Murray is trying to box out Kevon Looney, or Bruce Brown is trying to box out Draymond Green. Guys like that, where it's a it's a really difficult issue for them to try to, to work through as a team, not just as Jeff Green. But I think that Jeff did a great job of switching on to Steph, of switching on to Clay, of doing the things that you need a small ball five to do. And it's a reason why he was a plus one. He had a block, he had a few assists, did some good things as a cutter, and did some good things as a switch defender. That's what you want from Jeff Green. And it's one of the reasons, I think, why Vlaco didn't play as much as, as people would want. And it's one of the reasons why, even though Jeff didn't close in this particular game because they found a great rotation with Peyton Watson, I do think that Denver found some interesting things in these small wealth configurations where they didn't play a center at all. So really interesting stuff from the team as a whole, really interesting stuff from Jeff Green. And I, I'm, I'm a fan. I, I'm a fan of the way that they played. And it's definitely something where you're, 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 kind of, you're kind of surprised that it worked out the way that it did. But I remember back to last year's playoffs where Jeff Green was playing the four basically the entire time exclusively. Maybe he's better as a five. Maybe he's just better in that role where where he can switch everything, where the team can switch everything, and they're just better as a team uh, because Jeff can do some of those things in that role. And Denver's had shaky backup center minutes the entire year, but they haven't played Jeff at the five that often. Maybe it's more from an energy standpoint. Maybe they're just trying to give Zeke Naji, um, Thomas Bryant, guys like that, at least as, as much of a look as they possibly can. But I thought what they did this last game was very interesting from a small ball standpoint. So they have some counters now to be able to go to, some looks that you can really think about from, from a rotation standpoint. So I like it. I'm a fan. All right. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the bench. We're going to talk about Peyton Swatson. Uh, there's 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 a lot to talk about there, and there's a lot of fun stuff to talk about for sure. But first, everybody, baseball is back, and the push for the postseason in both hockey and hoops is very strong. Make it all count this spring with Superbook Sports. Superbook Sports is the best wagering app around with a direct line to experienced bookmakers behind the counter in Las Vegas. Plus, get a $250 bonus when you sign up, deposit, and wager in the same day. Don't let spring pass you by without winning money with Superbook Sports. Make sure to visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. And we're back. 
pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast, as always. You can't be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the pod. Five stars, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm trying to get that thing up to 200 ratings, if possible, uh, on the audio side. I'm at 196 right now. Just four more, four folks that are in the chat right now. That would be fantastic. Uh, but if not, make sure to give this a like on the YouTube side. We are trying to grow this thing as much as we possibly can, not just for me, but for everybody else on the MHS platform, which they always deserve an opportunity to continue to grow. And and I, I think that we can do it as a team. So let's 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 keep it going. I, I think that's a, a fantastic idea. Um, all right. Let's get into the bench lineup. Difference between the starters and the bench, or not not the starters, the first half and the second half bench lineup. Uh, I liked what Michael Malone tried in the first half. I thought that it was interesting. I thought that it was fun. I thought that it was a great way to not overplay guys. And then he played Jamal Murray 41 minutes anyway, so what the hell do I know? Uh, but first half bench lineup that Denver tried was Reggie Jackson, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, and Vlaco Chanchar. And I got to tell you, there, there are some fun, interesting possessions with that group where as long as they were attacking, as long as they were moving the ball, I thought that Denver got a pretty good shot almost every single time. There was a nice couple of plays from Vlaco as a, as a passer where, I let me just check the stats here real quick. I thought he had two assists. Yeah, two assists in just three minutes. And he didn't really do much else, and, and we'll, we'll have to... We'll have to figure that out in general because I, I would like to see Vlaco play a little bit more. But tonight may just not have been, or last night, may just not have been the right uh, game for Vlaco to play more than like the, the number of minutes that he did. But I like some of the offensive possessions that they had. The problem was that Vlaco got cooked on a couple switches. I think Michael Malone was just like, yeah, we're, we're going to win this with Aaron Gordon and Jamal Murray or we're not, or we're not going to win it at all. And I understand. I understand the the way of thinking there. But Reggie hit a three. Uh, Flacco had a couple of assists to different cutters there, and uh, he he assisted that Reggie three as well. And there were some good plays. And it was really interesting to see Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, and Peyton Watson all on the floor at the same time. More on that in just a sec. Second half bench lineup featured Jamal Murray and Aaron Gordon in place of Reggie Jackson and Flacco Chanchar, which. Gives you a little bit more offensive stability in general, where where you can just run traditional stuff. Jamal was very good, especially in that fourth quarter uh, as a as a creator. And Aaron Gordon, when he was like he took a lot of shots in the first half. I think he slowed down a little bit in the second half. Was just a little bit more choosy, a little bit more under control, and that was good. That was really good to see. But. The guys in the middle of that, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, are the guys that I really want to spotlight here. Bruce Brown, very good. Very good minutes for Bruce. And this is a matchup where he needs to be great. Uh, against Steph Curry, where you're chasing him around, you're guarding him, you're switching everything. Part of the allure of having Bruce Brown out there is he is a bulldog. He's a guy who can drive gaps as an offensive player. He is a guy who can get into the teeth of the defense by just dribbling. It isn't a isn't a crazy thing to ask him to do. And I think he's improved on that, especially in the month of March. And now we're into April. I think that he's done a lot of good things over the course of these last, I don't know, two, three weeks has been a much more aggressive player. And I think it's helped Denver. I think it's helped them as a unit 
where they don't just have Jamal Murray out there as a creator. They can have Bruce Brown out there, and he's probably their second best dribble creator right now on the team, where everybody else is like, there's a little bit of shakiness, whether it's Aaron Gordon and you don't know the kind of shot that he's going to get uh, when it's Michael Porter. He kind of struggles with the with the actual ball handling itself. Uh, Jokic is honestly probably the, the best dribble creator on the team, but Murray's right there. And then Bruce Brown, I, I think, has leapfrogged a lot of other people into my circle of trust in terms of actually dribbling the basketball and cutting to the rim and slashing and, and getting to the cup. That's the most important thing for Denver. And this uh, this past game, he had three assists to one turnover, did a nice job of making sure that uh, he was putting pressure on the rim and, and forcing other folks to foul him in those situations. That was good. That was very good. But then also, on the defensive side, you have him switch on to Steph. You have him switch on to Clay. You have him switch on to Jordan Poole. Uh, there's there's a lot to like there for, for Bruce. And he's just a guy that they didn't have in, in this matchup last year. And I think it really does tangibly change the kinds of things they can do. Now, did Steph and Clay shoot unnaturally bad on shots that they usually make? Yes. Did Clay nearly win the game for for uh, Golden State this last time or last night with the way that he played in the final minute of the game? Yes, and that is still a very scary prospect. But I thought that for the first forty seven minutes, Bruce was very very good. Did a nice job of, of switching onto everybody, making sure that those guys were getting a really good contest and just being as close to them without fouling as he possibly could. And that's an exciting prospect for Bruce. Uh, He's very malleable on the defensive end. You can play him at the point of attack against a variety of different guys, and he's going to be helpful. And Denver needs that. They need that consistency in the playoffs for sure. Christian Brown. 3 of 10 from the field is is surprising. When I looked at that, I was like, man, he, he was pretty aggressive with his shot. He was pretty aggressive trying to get to the cup a lot of the time. Missed a couple of easy layups that he probably should have hit, but the most important thing for Christian Brown, I think, uh, he did have a couple of steals and, and transition dunks, which were big. But he also had a transition layup over Draymond Green going right through the dude. And how many times have you seen people overthink that? Where they overthink Draymond trying to come over and contest their shot, and they miss a shot, or he gets a defensive play, and then he screams in their ear, talks to them the entire way down. And then it dissuades them from completely attacking the rim ever again. That's the magic of Draymond Green. But Christian Brown, I think, matches that energy in a great way. I think he does a fantastic job of putting the pressure on the opposing team and matching their energy no matter what they bring. Uh, He is a guy who attacked Draymond and he attacked him in transition, had a really nice layup over the top of him. Uh, He had some great plays both as a rebounder and a defender and did some great things against Jordan Poole and Klay Thompson and Steph Curry, kind of like Bruce Brown, where you have multiple players who can switch and sit down and guard and give great contests on these elite shooters. And where Jamal and Mike and even KCP sometimes didn't really get a hand up on the contests of Steph and Klay and, and Jordan Poole. I thought that Bruce and Christian Brown especially were great on their contests of these guys, where sometimes those guys are going to hit a shot. But in general, 
the better you can test them, the harder it is for them to to make these shots. And games like this last one where they combined for what? Is it like nine of forty two or something? Or yeah, the team as a whole went nine of forty two from three. But Steph and Clay, they weren't great. They honestly weren't great because of the contest that Denver was giving. And maybe it was just the the road blues that the that the Warriors were were putting out there. But it was still really cool to see that. It was still really cool to see Christian Brown play in crunch time. I thought that after three minutes, I thought that uh I really thought that Christian was going to get benched. He only played three minutes in the first half, but he played 13 in the second half. Clearly was a reason why Denver won this game in the second half. And being able to switch all of those matchups, super, super, super important. And Denver, I thought, did it better as as the game went along. And I thought one of the big reasons for that was because Christian Brown played more. He's really smart. He understands what he has to do. He understands what's expected of him in those situations. And uh, there's there's no real ego there from a, like, I, I don't have to do this because I'm in the league. He is doing it, and he's been great at it, and there is a reason why the team loves him so much for, for what his uh, defensive capabilities are and the level of effort and intensity that he brings on that end of the floor. It's really, really exciting. But I have buried the lead here. Peyton Watson. Peyton Swatson. This dude... <laughs> To be able to, to be able in your second game to step up in this moment against the defending champion Golden State Warriors, where the guys on the other side are Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green. It is hard to match up with that team. It is hard to physically and mentally match up with that team because there's some psychological warfare going on where you know those guys are going to find a way to win. And you're just guarding against that the entire time. But with Peyton Watson, I thought he did a fantastic job of playing within himself, not trying to do too much, doing everything that the Nuggets asked him to do, and just be as high energy as he possibly could. And those three blocks that he had, all three on Steph Curry, by the way, the three blocks that he had were crazy. (laughs) Like The last one especially, where you're just coming out of nowhere, and on one of those patented Steph Curry uh, underhand layups that he, he generally throws pretty high to try to avoid the shot blocker, didn't throw it high enough to, to avoid Peyton Watson. The dude is athletic as hell, over a seven-foot wingspan, has great timing on these things, and seems to understand his capabilities really, really well. And that is a super exciting prospect for Denver. Peyton Watson is a super exciting prospect for Denver because he hasn't played the entire time. And now you're getting massive contributions from him off the bench in crunch time against a team like the Warriors. He was out there for the entire game, uh, for the the entire fourth quarter. And it's just so impressive to see, so impressive for him to be able to step up in that moment. Uh, I feel really like it's, it's just a really, really exciting thing. Um, and by the way, Yardy says uh, that goaltending call really was a block too. I agree. I agree. I couldn't believe that they called goaltending on that. I really do believe that it's because I think it was Steph who was shooting it. But uh, my God, if you block Steph Curry four times at a basketball game, like that's that is just nuts. Um, 
Kalen says, Ryan, I got to ask, it looks like Piwat defense will translate to the playoffs. What will it take for him to potentially make the playoff rotation? It's a great question. I honestly have no damn idea because I didn't expect this. I don't think anybody really expected this to go as well as it did. And when it goes this well, you owe it to yourselves as a team. And I think Michael Malone owes it to himself and to the Nuggets' actual successful chances to be like, wait, have I been missing something? Have we been missing something the entire time? And I don't think it's, I don't think it was fully like that. I don't think it was fully to that degree because the Michael, Michael Malone actually talked about it in the post, uh, in the post game presser. The amount of improvement that Peyton Watson has had from initially when he got to training camp in Denver, uh, actually before that it was summer league, but we got to summer league and played the way that he did there. He looked lost in summer league. I, I think that people need to remember that, that Christian Brown actually looked like he belonged from a playing standpoint, not, not from a shooting standpoint, for, but from just a understanding of the game kind of standpoint. Peyton Watson did not look like he belonged there. And the fact that he was able to make it work, the fact that he was able to really step up in that situation, uh, get better over the course of a regular season, and put himself into a position where at the end of the year he is actually looking like somebody that could help, it's a major credit to Peyton, first and foremost. But it's a major credit to Grand Rapids and everybody that was down there. It's a major credit to uh, the the player development staff for, for the Nuggets and for Felipe, who, who does strength and conditioning for them and, and got Peyton Watson bigger. Peyton actually said last night that he gives a lot of credit to just getting bigger and, and playing a little bit bigger. So I know there's a lot of critique. Of, Steve has a critique of, of Michael Malone in the in the comments. Like, bro, like, what, what are you doing? Denver is first place in the West, and everybody talked about Peyton Watson as a project. Everybody talked about Peyton Watson as somebody that was going to take time. And he took time. And after taking time, he is now somebody that they feel like they can trust a little bit, or at least like give, give a little bit of an opportunity. But here's the, uh, the flip side of it. If Peyton Watson instead fouls a couple extra times, if he, like there, there was a play in the first quarter or like first quarter or second quarter, very early in his stint, where he just ran in the way of a pass on the offensive end and took it from and took it from the guy who it was intended for and then immediately turned the ball over. So I want people to fully understand that it's really great that Peyton stepped up in this situation and absolutely deserves this credit and he will be a massive piece for Denver in the coming years. I don't want to give people a whole bunch of <laughs> a whole bunch of positivity and say that Peyton's immediately going to be in the playoff rotation because he just hasn't had enough seasoning. He hasn't seen enough of the NBA game in order to actually justify that. Steve, the Nuggets would not have 65 wins. There's no way. <laughs> there's, there's no way. Even if like a coach, these are, there are actual studies that have been done on this. The maximum amount of like wins that a coach will actually flip is three wins. Like during a during a season, so if Denver wins out, then they'd have like they're they're gonna have fifty six wins, and then the max that they could actually get to is fifty nine. I think you're 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 completely off base in your your Malone hate, but look, it is what it is. Peyton Watson deserves his credit. Peyton Watson deserves a lot of like 
credit for stepping up in this moment, for having the, the maturity, the physical and mental fortitude to be able to step up. And I hope that I hope that Peyton just continue to, continues to use this and that he could be somebody who really helps Denver over these coming years. Um, do I think that it's actually going to happen in these playoffs? No. And I, I don't think that it, it doesn't need to happen. Like Nuggets fans are going to be like, well, Peyton Watson, Peyton Watson, Peyton Watson. They're going to they're say that for the entire time. And I'm, I'm here to tell you that it is not going to be happening to that degree and they can win without Peyton Watson and they should win without Peyton Watson. And if, if Peyton Watson is the guy that you're really hoping to use for the entire time, like then you're, you're not going to win the title. Now, is he a guy that you can throw into the fire in a, in a diff, difficult situation where you need a guy who can guard in that situation? Like you need somebody else who can put a body on Kevin Durant? Maybe. Maybe that's what, maybe that's what his role is going to be. Maybe put him on Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum if you get it to the finals, those situations. But there aren't that many situations like that where you need somebody to that degree. So my hope is that everybody feels excited for Peyton, that everybody is excited for this particular moment and doesn't overthink it. Do not overthink it. I promise. I promise it is not going to be. It is not like Peyton is is the ultimate savior of the season of Denver. Like if Denver doesn't win a title, it is not going to be because Peyton Watson didn't play enough. I, I promise you that. Um, but either way, really great win for Denver. Really, really exciting place for Denver to be. And I hope that they continue to build off of this. We're going to talk about in this next segment where Denver stands from a playoff standpoint, where Denver stands from a, a record standpoint, and what to look for. Going forward, we will be right back. All right, we're back. Pick X and roll. YouTube audience is like, you didn't actually stop. What the hell are you doing? Um, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's now get into the rest of this. Denver's got four games left. How crazy is that? Four games left on their record. 52-26 and 26 as a team. 33-7 and seven at home. 19-19 and 19 on the road. First place in the Western Conference. I think there's a psychological thing that, given that Denver has three more road games on the season... If they were able to go two and one and just have a positive road record, I think there's something psychological about that. If they go one and two and they have a negative road record heading into the playoffs, that's not a great thing. That's not something that you should be really looking forward to. But their next four games are at Houston on Tuesday, tomorrow, uh, at Phoenix on Thursday, and then at Utah on Saturday. I just saw that Walker Kessler of the Utah Jazz went into a concussion protocol, and it wouldn't surprise me if the Jazz are eliminated by that final game that Denver plays against them. So if those guys shut it down on that day, then it wouldn't surprise me if Denver could get a pretty easy win. But they're also capable that they don't really have to tank. They're, they're not in a situation where they're going to get that much of a better pick in order to, to just tank. So 
we will see what ultimately happens there. But it would be nice if Denver could get to 21 and 20 on the road as opposed to 20 and 21. So we will see. We will see. Uh, but now, magic number. It's just one. It's just one. Uh, really exciting to be in this position. I, I asked Michael Malone about this uh, during the post game uh, on this on this last game, and he was pretty adamant. So I'm like, yeah, it's cool, it's cool. But everybody knows that getting the one seed in the West is like, okay, great, great. That's not the goal. That's not what anybody's really focused on. They'll take it. They're absolutely excited about it. About they're excited about the prospect of not having to go on the road for a game one and game two in any playoff series that they play in the Western Conference. That is a really, really exciting prospect if they're just able to get one more win. But obviously their goals are way larger than that. Michael Malone said that, and I clearly means it because if he if they don't make it to the Western Conference Finals, I'm pretty sure that he's going to get fired. Um, or at least I think it's that it's strongly on the table. So I think everybody understands the pressure. Everybody understands that the goals are much bigger than just being a Western Conference like top seed. They don't want to be the Utah Jazz of 2021, where Utah basically won a, a crap ton of games, put themselves into a position where they had home court advantage, and then kind of went really quietly out into the night in the second round of the playoffs against the, that LA Clippers team that lost Kawhi Leonard during the middle of it. So there is a lot to think about with this one, but it should be a... It should be a really exciting thing for Nuggets fans. It should be something to celebrate, I think. Where in a season where the entire Western Conference was a complete nut and just a completely crazy Western Conference for, for Andrew Wiggins has been out. I saw that come out right before hopping on this podcast that he'll be back. He'll be back for... Uh, the like over the course of these next couple of games, I'm pretty sure. But uh, he was out for a quarter of the season, just just trying to help out his dad. Uh, where the Lakers are able to turn around their season after trading Russell Westbrook, and they got a crazy great deal from the Jazz for for being able to do that. Uh, where you have plenty of other reasons to think that the West is is very very down. I think everybody thinks that. The Suns could come out of the West, that the Warriors could still come out of the West, that the Lakers could come out of the West. And there's a lot of reasons to think that the bottom of the Western Conference is stronger than the top. But it's not Denver's fault that the rest of the Western Conference is shit. That's not their fault. Like, Denver did their job. They stepped up in all of these moments, had enough games without Nikola Jokic that they stepped up in and still won. And then Jokic and, and the Nuggets, when they were playing, they were pretty much unstoppable. They were doing crazy things, especially when they were focused, especially when they were at home. And it feels like Denver's in a great spot because of their level of focus, because of their level of dedication to making sure that the regular season went the way that it needed to. Now, they've had some tough moments. This last stretch during March, where they basically lost five of seven games, and they lost another two just now against... Uh, New Orleans and Phoenix, although not in a situation where they really need to worry about that. Uh, it wasn't great. It wasn't perfect, but Denver was still able to get through it. And they're, they're clearly able to get through it better than just about any team in the league. Uh, some of the Eastern Conference teams have a better record than them. Boston has a better record. Milwaukee has a better record. Philly does not. 
Philly has they're trying to figure out how to uh, get to the the two seed or the one seed, and they they couldn't really do it. So like sucks tough, sucks to be them. I guess that's a that's a tough place for them to be where where they had the season that they did, and they're still not going to be able to have a second round home series. Uh, that's too bad, but. The Nuggets are in a great position where they will have home court advantage throughout the Western Conference playoffs. Obviously, they know that they need to capitalize on that, and they're going to they're gonna have to do some crazy things. They're going to have to prove a lot of people wrong, because I don't think a lot of people think that they could actually do it. They think that Kevin Durant's going to be the unstoppable guy in the Western Conference. They think that if the Lakers match up with the Nuggets, then the Lakers are going to dominate because Jokic can't defend. That's what people are saying. That's what people think. I don't think that. I think that the Nuggets are awesome. I think that they're really, really good. I think that Murray and Porter and guys like that are underrated. I've said it for the entire year. And people, they're just, they're going to wait to see for the Nuggets to fail. They really, really want to see the Nuggets fail. And I hope Nuggets fans are ready to bring out the pitchforks when the Nuggets don't actually fail. It's going to be, it's going to be very, very interesting. The next week of games is going to be fascinating. Um, four more games, three more on the road than the back-to-back at home against the Sacramento Kings. I don't think that any of Houston, Utah, or Sacramento will really try. Now, Taylor and Horton Tucker for, for the Utah Jazz, who's been putting up 30 and 40 spots over the course of these last couple, this last month or so, uh, maybe he will try. And maybe the Nuggets will still have to put up a major effort in order to win some of these games. But I do think that Jokic, who's dealing with a legit calf injury right now, if he sits out for these next four games, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if the Nuggets were just like, yeah, shut it down. Get as much rest as you possibly can. We're going to get you ready for the playoffs. We'll see you in game one on April 16th or April 17th, whatever day that they're going to play. Wouldn't surprise me if, if that were actually to happen. Uh, I think that he will probably want to try to come back and play at least one or two more games just to get himself physically prepared. It would also be really cool if he could get 16 assists in a game and then average a legitimate triple-double. That would be dope. That would be extremely cool. I don't think it's going to happen because I think the most likely thing is that he plays like a half. He plays like, I don't know, 25 minutes in a game, maybe three quarters of a game, and doesn't actually finish the game because Denver, they're going to try to rest as many of their guys as they possibly can. Four games left to go, and this is a three-game road trip that they're about to embark on, and then a back-to-back at home right at the end of it. It wouldn't surprise me if they shut down a lot of different guys, but it was so important for Denver to get the break that they did yesterday, where Memphis lost, Denver won without Jokic, they cut that magic number down by two, it wasn't three, and now it's down to one. So they could actually lose out. And if Memphis just loses one more game, which I think is pretty likely based off of some of the teams that they're playing, then they absolutely could still get the one and, and still probably will get the one, even if they go 0-4. So I don't think that they're going to go 0-4 because I think Houston is really trying to, to lose some of these games. But in general, the Nuggets are going to play this as cautiously as possible. They are going to do whatever they can to put themselves into the best position possible physically. And if they are, then that means that Jeff Green might take a couple days off. It means that Aaron Gordon might take a couple days off. It means that Michael Porter might take a couple days off. All of these guys. Jamal Murray played 41 minutes. 
why would he play in all four of these next games? I don't think there's any reason why. So Denver will probably shut it down at various points. And they are going to put themselves into a position where they don't have to worry about anything from a physical standpoint. They do get a week during the play-in tournament where they are going to be very, uh, they're going to be very uh, cautious with those guys. They're going to try to get them back and build them up as physically as possible. And they're going to get them ready for game one of the playoffs. And that's all anybody has to really think about now. Maybe get more Peyton Watson over the course of this next week. Maybe get more Christian Brown. and uh, Bruce Brown will probably rest a little bit, but maybe Reggie Jackson plays a little bit more during this stretch too, where he hasn't really played a ton and probably needs to play a little bit more, if I'm being honest. So Denver's going to get through it. They're going to play, and it should be very interesting to see what comes of it. But I do think that if you're looking at the current playoff standings, this is what we have right now, where the Clippers, the Warriors, the Lakers, and the Pelicans all have 38 losses. Two of them have 41 wins. Two of them have 40 wins. Uh, How that breaks down is going to be super, super fascinating because a couple of those teams will avoid the play-in and a couple of those teams will be stuck in the play-in. And depending on who that is, the Nuggets are going to probably have a relatively tough matchup or a super tough matchup because the, the West, the way that it is right now, is still very tough. I do not think that the Jazz or the Mavericks are going to get back. 42 losses where they currently are is tough. OKC's at 41 losses, but Utah would have to make up a couple wins there in order to tie them. Uh, It just feels like the teams that are currently in the 5-10 to are probably going to be the teams that Denver sees. They're probably going to be the teams that actually make it. I do not think that Dallas has a chance, or at least a significant chance, I do not think that Utah has a chance either. So put those teams aside for a little bit. If you're the Clippers, if you're the Warriors, you just want to try to win out, keep your keep your stuff away from the play-in if you possibly can. Uh, although I think there is a competition for that sixth spot right now because if you play six, uh, if you get to the sixth seed, then you are facing the Kings as opposed to the five seed and you're facing the Suns who have Kevin Durant now. I think there's a a realistic reason for teams in that spot to gun for the 6 as opposed to the 7 through 10, where you get the play-in, or the 5, where you have to play the Suns. So, right now as it stands, the Lakers and the Pelicans would face off for the 7th seed, and the loser of that would play the winner of Minnesota-Oklahoma City. I'd imagine that Minnesota wins that game. And then they would play the loser of the Lakers and the Pelicans, which I think would probably be the Pelicans, if I'm being honest, just because they don't really have a matchup for AD. Um, And if Zion doesn't come back, then that's going to be pretty tough for them. So I think that the Lakers are probably going to be the seven or higher, which means that the Nuggets may not have to deal with them at all. That'll be pretty interesting to think about. I think a lot of folks were scared of the Lakers. A lot of folks were hoping to not have to play the Lakers. And if that's the case, then... Great. This is probably going to be a good break for Nuggets fans. It's probably going to be a good break for people that don't want to see any ref shenanigans or anything like that, where Jokic gets into foul trouble in three of the, the seven games that they play and then doesn't actually isn't actually able to get off the bench in the fourth quarter because he's got five fouls. Things like that. But I do think that if Denver were to play the Pelicans and Zion Williamson comes back for that first round series, it's a pretty tough matchup. 
It's not easy. Denver's going to have a really, really interesting time trying to match up with those guys. Uh, Jamal Murray will have a lot of pressure on him. I think uh, Michael Porter would have a lot of pressure on him in that series. Christian Brown would probably play a lot, trying to match up and, and stop, slow down Brandon Ingram a little bit. And there's going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot for, for Denver to have to match up with in that. But it's probably their best-case scenario, too. So going to be really interesting to see how that breaks down, what Denver's able to accomplish, and what, they, what they're looking like for the rest of this year. But if this current playoff standings holds, I think the Nuggets are going to be okay. I think the Nuggets are going to be pretty happy. Pelicans in the first round, the winner of Clippers' Suns in the second round, and then depending on how Golden State does, if they survive, if they are all the way in the finals, then you play the Warriors in the finals, or the, the Western Conference finals, and just got to survive. Just got to play it. Just got to be fine. We're going to see. We'll see what it looks like for, for Denver, but uh, over the course of this last week, I'm really curious to see how it breaks down. I am curious to see what actually happens, but for now, Denver's going to be just fine. They're basically the one. Just be one more win. Should be a lot of fun. Michael can hit that outro music for me. That is going to do it, everybody, for this episode of Pick Axe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Had a super popular afternoon podcast. I uh, really appreciate everybody for hopping in. I know everybody's super excited for the Peyton Watson experience, super excited for Denver to get a win without Nikola Jokic out there. They're one game away from clinching the one seed. Uh, everybody, hit that like button on the way out. Go subscribe to the MHS YouTube channel. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys very soon.